Never made it as a wise man I couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing Tired of living like a blind man I'm sick of sight without a sense of feeling And this is how you remind me This is how it's Sum 41 from Canada. Yeah. This isn't Sum 41, obviously. No. I didn't know that. I think we have people clicking off our radio after hearing this. No. As well, they should. Yeah. So, but He I mean, did apologize I had to, at 1 o'clock. Yeah. He did say, I apologize for the music today. No, he apologized for this song in particular, just barely. But yeah. yeah. Welcome back. I'm not proud of that selection, <laughs> but I had to. It yes, is. It's, it's part of the... Saturday show here, Alex behind the glass, getting us going with all the Canadian hits today. Yes. Man, this is like a remember those now albums? This could be now Canada. <laughs> now seventy three. Yeah, I don't know what number they're now on. Now this but. is what I call Canada. Yes, there it is. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's true. No, it there's a lot of music that has come out of that country. That's that's what I'm saying. It's a it's they're our neighbors. Let's embrace them. It's impressive. Yeah. All right, Adrian. I put it out on Twitter about to ask if Utah Jazz fans, I asked the question: If you had a chance to select the next starting point guard for the franchise going forward, would you rather have Mike Conley or D'Angelo Russell or someone else? Well, we are 179 votes in, and 69% of our responders say that D'Angelo. Now 70% just updated. 70% go with D'Angelo Russell. 24% for Mike Conley. Six percent for other, and nobody responded with other outside of Clint, who says other LeBron James, and I know he's being facetious with that response. From so, Clint, no, yeah, good job for Clint, never. Um, one other one, OG underscore UT underscore TL responded and says, "I don't see the debate here. Conley could fall off a cliff at any time given age and injury history. He is at his peak, and it's the same as a young Russell." Interesting take there. Yeah, uh, I think if. <sighs> It's hard because that one tweet is right that Conley could fall off a cliff at any time, mm-hmm. but it would be a fantastic piece for the next couple of seasons. I think Russell would be also a great piece, but he would have to. He still has more development to go. I think Conley's more of a finished product of what you're going to get out of him. I think it also depends on your definition as a fan of where you see the Jazz, where where you want to see them competing. If you if this is a long play yeah. or a short term short term play in your mind. It's it's you gotta it's kind of how, how long you, until the long term must become the short term. I think you got five years. I think it's the long term. From when though? From now? Like you're starting over and you're gonna go another five years? Like as a fan, uh, I, I every want, fan's this is, different, right? This is just fandom in general. Yeah. How long do you give your team uh, before you start asking questions? And that's the thing. I think it's a, it's your timeline based on who you'd prefer in this scenario. I think because when I look at the Jazz, I think oh they made a run with they went with Ricky Rubio mm-hmm. and it actually they got him and. We're hoping Hayward would come back. Yeah. And so they went with it and it worked for a little bit. But you could t- after two years, it's, oh, we need to find a different piece. But along the way, they've built other assets. So I think their build is still going, obviously. Yeah. And they've done a good job with it. Because they've got Donovan playing better. Rudy Gobert uh, has potential for the max. They've got a guy in Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles. Um, maybe find another four. Maybe find a point guard. And you're looking pretty good. Especially like we talked about earlier, it's a wide open west. Yeah, no, it's true. It, we'll see. I, 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 I look at it. And I, I'm, st- I'm on the train with D'Angelo Russell, but I am interested in people's responses. Yeah, so, so definitely. So, follow Jacob C. Hatch. Let me know your thoughts on who you'd rather have. All we right. will take this vote yes. to Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck. We'll, we'll, we'll get right in front of them. Well, I'll kick down an office door, hang up Dennis's phone, and say, "I'm this here." Is what, this is what we got on Twitter.
That'd be awesome. Can no, you imagine? I don't know how I'd be. That'd be the fastest anybody's been fired. You'd be before. quickly escorted out of the building. Yes. but it'd be pretty funny. Um. Oh, go ahead, sir. All right. So, Adrian, uh, we mentioned this in the open of the show, and we haven't gone to it yet. So let's get to it here. Your favorite moments from this NBA season? It is in the books now. The 2018-19 season is officially in the books. It's been a wild season. I had oh. a lot of fun covering the NBA and the Jazz this season. Not only because the Jazz uh, were in the playoffs, obviously, mm-hmm. so it was a lot of fun. But the season as it went along, Donovan Mitchell, um, yeah, yeah, it was a fun season. And this season started way back in October. It's now June. And there's been a lot of stuff that has happened. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk jazz specifically first. Some uh-huh. of the moments through okay. the season, um, both good and bad against them. I think one of the more iconic moments is Donovan Mitchell blocking. Gordon I was going to say that's uh, the the first Gordon Hayward because he was hurt last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the first Gordon Hayward game in this arena, it was charged. Um, there and was, then the Donovan Mitchell chase down block of Gordon Hayward as he tried to dunk. The I ball. think a lot of fans got a lot of catharsis from that one moment. Then he later in the game when it mattered, he drove on Gordon and put that. I think it was the right. I want to say it was on kind of the right baseline. Yeah, if I'm remembering it right, puts the floater right over Gordon mm-hmm. Hayward. So there were. That was an interesting game. That was a moment. Uh, the headband, Joe. Yes, obviously. Joe Ingles getting cut up. And Joe Ingles getting cut up, and he has to use the gauze and everything. Puts the gauze. He looks like he was uh, coming out of a, <laughs> you know, just I, it's obviously a stretch, but you know, it just looked like he was injured and he had to get back oh, yeah. out on the field battle, and yes. uh, he was ready to go. And he went, he went off mm-hmm. after he was hurt. Yep, the legendary headband, Joe. Oh, cool. A uh, game I remember is uh, Derek Rose scoring fifty against the Jazz. Against the Jazz. Like the throw on Halloween. To, oh, it was on Halloween day. Yes. So all the jokes were Derek Rose is dressed as his MVP self for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, no, that was it was it was it was just a crazy season for the Jazz. Period. I think a lot of Jazz fans look back on that year, and I think they're very pleased overall. I understand getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs yeah. after having gotten to the second round of the previous two seasons. Bad matchup with the Rockets. It's not ideal, but. Yeah. I think overall, Jazz fans can look back on this season and say, okay, yeah, that was a fun season. Let us know if you guys have moments. Hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to hear about your moment of the Jazz season that stood out to you guys most. Like, what what about this season? Because there been some fun moments. I, 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 that, I just, that, that moment is forever etched in my brain of Donovan Mitchell, just the chase down block, doing something that Gordon Hayward had done for so many years in a Jazz uniform. Mm-hmm. To have the guy that become new fan favorite go do it to Hayward, man, that was something. And then uh, some things in the NBA as a league. Oh, there's so um, many. The LeBron to the Lakers, I think mm-hmm. that yeah. was one. You know, I, I'm looking through some of these timelines of favorite moments that uh, people had. The the Damian Lillard wave goodbye as he sends the the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder packing, yeah. and then he gets tackled and he's completely straight faced. Oh, he yeah, and he didn't change his face at all. No nope. credit to him on that. That was an iconic moment. I think everybody thinks of the botched trade news, rumors, everything around Anthony Davis this year. The uh, LeBron on the bench with five seats between them. Oh, my him. gosh. Yeah, that, that, cause I think that said more about the state of the Lakers than almost anything. When it was like player, 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 NPC, 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 and then here's LeBron James. Yeah. 
And I think later in the season, Rajon Rondo sitting in the mm-hmm. crowd multiple times, yep. and people are like, what's going on with that? He's like, I've done it before. It just happens I'm on the Lakers now, and people care about this stuff. Yep, and uh, the uh, Lakers-Rockets fight, fist oh, fight. Yes, breaking out Chris there. Paul, I think, started throwing punches. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony's trying to play peacemaker during yeah. his very short stint as a member of the Houston Rockets. I, yeah. uh, I, there's a story, yeah. Carmelo going to the Rockets. He was a member of the Houston Rockets. Hello. Yeah, and then... I think Kawhi's game winner in the playoffs will forever live on. His kind of crouch in the corner there after he hits it, bounces on the rim, was it four times mm-hmm. before it goes through? Absolutely crazy. A uh, couple of legends retiring this year. Mm-hmm. Dirk Nowitzki yep. uh, finishing things up. Scored, I think he scored 20 in his final game or something. Like, great final game. Um, or he had 31 night. There was a night where him, Dwayne Wade, and um, – Oh, what's his name from? Uh, he was on the Suns this year, but he was on the Timberwolves for a while. The the uh, oh. the six man who's ah, uh, oh. how come I'm spacing on his name? Anyway, I'll look it up. But uh, the uh, he's not retiring. But Tony Parker hanging it up. Yep. NBA champions, couple Dwayne, of them. Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. multiple NBA champion. Dwayne Wade went out with a with a with a, a great game in his own. Yep. Ride. And of course, Dirk Nowitzki uh, saying goodbye as well. So uh, Manu Ginobili didn't play this year, right? But uh, they had that. They had their uh, Spurs honored him one game. Yeah. So a couple of guys that you and I grew up watching. It's crazy. Hanging it up like Dirk Nowitzki. I don't remember basketball without him or years. Tony or Tony Parker. Like I don't remember a league without those guys. Okay. So funny story about the whole Dirk Nowitzki thing. When he was drafted in the NBA, I remember. I, I and these are random moments that I stand out to me. I remember watching that draft and hearing the name Dirk Nowitzki from Germany being drafted in the NBA, and my immediate thought was, who? What? He's not going to do anything in this league. Yeah, 20 years later, I was proved dead wrong. He made a shot. Like, everyone emulated him. Yeah. yeah with the, the that, Dirk one-foot fadeaway. Yeah, the, the fadeaway, and it's true. And so I just remember, I still remember watching that NBA draft and thinking, a guy from Germany, yeah, right. Good luck. So, props to him. Uh, going through, so I'm so worldwide Wob on Twitter. Rob Perez, he does a great job just in covering the league as a whole. He threw it out to people and said, "Hey, let me know about your greatest moments." I'm just scrolling through this and just absolute classic moments. Uh, Boban Mar- Marjanovic, is that his name? The seven foot Marjanovic or Barjanovic? When he dunked without even jumping, he reached out. Yeah, and just he can threw dunk without. The dunk. There's a um, picture of that. How about the Suns GM or the Suns owner putting real goats in oh, the GM's for- office? Robert Sarver, yeah. yeah, like thinking that would inspire him, but instead they just destroyed his office. Yeah, <laughs> just a wow. It- and they and then passing on Luka Doncic. <laughs> For Aiton, because DeAndre Aiton was the local guy and they loved him when they really should have taken Doncic with Igor Kokoskov. Think of how different that year is for the Suns. Igor probably still has a job as a head coach. Yeah, there there will be people that will forever second guess that if if DeAndre Aiton does not become what people think he can become. But I'm with you, Adrian. Looking at it, looking back on it now, it's like, yeah, Dallas scored with that pick. I'll give him that. Even Trey Young to Atlanta. Great pick there. DeAndre Ayton didn't have a great year. We'll see if he can become what people think he could become. How about uh, the Bulls saying they won't practice? That was uh, – They got pummeled and they hate yeah. um, 
their coach, who yeah. I'm, of course I'm spacing on, and I'm, I'm just forgetting. Former Utah this. coach. What in the world am I? Alex, you remember? Jim Boylan? Jim Boylan, Jim Boylan yes. yes. Duh. Yeah. And they they refused to practice. And that whole situation with Jim Boylan, period, taking over as head coach, they didn't even make him an interim. They're like, no, he's our head coach. And it's like, huh? But this NBA season, it's crazy to think it's over now. But it's been a ton of fun. The unlikely playoff rivalry between Ben Simmons and Jared Dudley. Yes, that was a good that one. That was a good one. Magic Johnson retiring and making the meme of his shoulders like in his neck. And I'm not going to be there. Head. I'm not going to be here. That meme will forever live on. It'll be used in multiple iterations. But Magic Johnson, that was a stunning revelation. Like, hey, guys, I'm... Yeah, you guys want to come over here? Let's talk yeah, real I quick. Wanna, like, there wasn't even the back. Like, yeah. The, their official, like, they have to have a backdrop up and stuff like yeah. that. And so he gets over there. He's like, yeah, I'm quitting. Well, have you told uh, Jeannie Buss, who is the, runs the, she owns the franchise? And he's like, no, I haven't talked to her yet. I'll let her know. It's like, hold on. You're quitting your job, but you haven't told your boss that you're leaving this job? And he said he was too scared, too. Oh, it just, I didn't want to, yeah, I don't know. It just... This season, it has been a ton of fun, yeah. and I'm not sure that the NBA can top this, but it's, it seems like every year they do. No, it's, it's going to be – I hope next year's fun just because the, we're going to see a lot of new faces mm-hmm. all over the league. But there's a lot of drama this year on and off the court, um, and that's kind of what makes it fun a yeah. little bit. And Jake Scott always talks about how this is his favorite time of year for the NBA, the trade – or the uh, offseason and the – you're saying trade deadline, which I don't mean, but free and the free period. agency period. I, I get that, and it's because there's so many rumors about this league. There's so many people covering this league, Adrian. There's such intense interest on it that I think people really do look forward to this time of year because there's so many things going on, there's so many moving parts. And yeah. this year, with all the rumors, yeah, Kawhi Leonard could be going from Toronto to the LA Clippers after winning a championship. Kevin Durant now with the Achilles, where's he going to end up? There are going to be so many moving parts it looks like at this point that yes i'm with you i think this offseason in particular might be a little more colorful than most all right i'm gonna hit you with a rapid fire okay you're gonna give me your first initial gut reaction all right of where they're gonna be next season okay kevin durant new york Knicks. kyrie irving los angeles lakers whoa anthony davis los angeles lakers clay thompson golden state warriors Kemba Walker. Ooh, New York Knicks. Jimmy Butler. That one, I have no clue. He is a complete enigma to me. I don't know what to make of Jimmy Butler. I'm going to say Philadelphia for now. You're going to say Philadelphia? No. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. Did I already ask you that one? No. no Kawhi Ale- Leonard. Los Angeles Clippers. Okay, so he's leaving in your mind. Yeah, he he gone. Um, he gone. Who am I missing? Uh... D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell, yeah. Did I say Tobias Harris also? Uh, Tobias Harris, I'm going to be a homer. Utah Jazz. Really? Uh, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, I think, stays in Milwaukee. DeMarcus Cousins. Where do you think he's going to be? See, that's another enigma to me. I could see him re-upping with the Warriors, but do they want him to re-up there? That's my question. If not, I could see him and Kawhi maybe teaming up with the LA Clippers. How about Terry Rozier? He's a guy. Ooh, Rozier is interesting because the whole Boston mm-hmm. dynamic here. Yeah, how about Jason Tatum? You can put both of those guys on there. Well, I know that the whole rumor about Tatum having to, if they want to get Anthony Davis to Boston, they're going to have to trade Tatum. 
I think Tatum's going to stay in Boston. I think he's the new face of what Boston's going to have to build after losing both Kyrie and not getting Anthony Davis. How about Ricky Rubio? Sheesh, I that's a hard one. No idea. No idea where that. I could see him in multiple places, but I have no idea on that. Hmm. See, so there's a lot of pieces that could be in brand new uniforms. So there are a lot of new faces and new teams, absolutely, and that's going to be the interesting part to track it all as we go forward. I, I the moments we're going to have next year, Adrian, it's going to be crazy to look back on once again because every year something new happens. Oh, there you go. There's another one right there. Uh, the time was that. Uh, oh, it was. Uh, who am I thinking of? When the Lakers, the guy was wearing the wrong shorts, and he went to get oh, checked Lance in. Oh, Lance Stevenson, Lance probably. Stevenson, I, no, it wasn't Stevenson. It was, I want to say Michael Beasley, I think is who oh, it was. Oh, yeah, I think he, he was wearing, like, the warm-up shorts. Yep. He stands at the thing, and they're like, kind of pointing. I'm like, dude, what are you And he looks down, <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, hold on, I'll be right back, and just takes off. This offseason, yeah, we're going we're gonna to see It'll a lot fun. of new faces. All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to check in with Bob Casper, who is live at Pebble Beach, do, kind enough to join us on an extra day mm-hmm. of uh, zone duty with us. You heard him this morning on uh, Real Golf Radio, him and Brian Taylor, and throughout the week. But we get to chat with Bob coming up next here on the Saturday Show. Welcome back to Saturday Show here. Adrian Leiser, Jake Hatch, Alex behind the glass as we have the U.S. Open on here in the studio. John Rahm. In trouble outside yeah. the red line there, hitting out of some, I don't know what that is, but uh, he does not, it's not a good lie. That looks like somewhere that I hit out of, um, usually when I'm out on the golf course. But a guy who uh, is always hitting it down the middle. Right into the sand on that yeah, shot. Yeah, that's not player. good. But a guy who we know who always hits it straight down the middle is Bob Casper, who is live there in at Pebble Beach, giving us a little uh, little update on what's going on out there at Pebble. Bob, how are you? You guys, are doing all we're right. doing good. So, our uh, how's the weather out there today? Looks a little cloudy. Well, it's a, it's it's more of the same. It's still yeah. cloudy, and it's probably low sixties. And and uh, you know, there's a little mist and stuff going on this morning, but at least it's dry now. Um, but you know, the the scoring conditions are getting tough. There's not too many guys under par. Mm-hmm. Um, a few guys at two under par. One guy at three under par. Danny Willett. Um, and I, you know, I, I just don't think that it's gonna, it's gonna go too low today. Bob, this tournament came in and a lot of people were talking, reflecting on Tiger Woods, of course, is the most dominant win probably in all of the majors he's played in and won that 2000 romp around Pebble Beach. How have you kind of evaluated his play so far this week? It's kind of been up and down. It seems like his putting's kind of betraying him a little bit. Where have you seen him struggle? Well, the interesting thing is, is he's talked about um, keeping the ball underneath the hole, um, and he said in his second round when he shot, when he shot uh, two over par, he uh, he was above the hole all day long. Well, I think he's been really kind of tentative. Um, it, it, it's almost seemed that way, trying to keep the ball under the hole and that kind of thing, and he's really not right, trying to attack the golf course um, where where that's what he's known as as doing, especially there at Pebble Beach. So. Um, I think it's uh, it, it, it's unfortunate uh, to see the way he's playing. We watched him today on the driving range, and he was absolutely striping it on the driving range, mm. uh, and it looked really, really good. Um, so I, I just think when you get out on the golf course, it's it's a little bit different thing, and it's and the golf course is playing probably pretty tough right now. 
So, Bob, let's talk about Gary Woodland. Um, he's a guy who's in the lead right now, nine under. He tees off uh, in a little bit, looks like. He has uh, his best major finish is he tied sixth at the PGA's last year. Really, the only thing I know much about him, he did an awesome thing with um, uh, make uh, I think it was Make a Wish last year at the uh, yeah. at with the Special yeah. Olympics at and, Phoenix. In yeah. Phoenix, and exactly. that video was amazing with this uh, yep. Amy Bockerstead who got a par with them. Pretty awesome thing. Yep. That's really all I know about him. But what can you tell us about a uh, Gary Woodland as a you golfer? Know, he's a great player. He's one on tour. He's played in Ryder Cups. Um, he's he's uh, you know he's probably a little bit for him in uncharted territory. But you know what these guys. These guys that play now, they don't they don't really worry about whether they've, you know, um, contended in majors before and that kind of thing. They they just go out there and they start playing and and give themselves opportunities to win. Um, but you know, uh, he played phenomenal yesterday. He shot 65. Um, he tied the score that Justin Rose shot in the first round. He tied the score that Tiger Woods shot in the first round in 2000. Um, and uh, he just played some great golf, made a bomb on the on his final hole, the ninth hole, to get to 900 par, a putt from about 50 feet. Mm. But he's a good player. He hits it a long ways. He's averaging over 311 yards. Um, he's hitting uh, well this week, uh, and he's hit the first out with his length. It gives him a score. I think we may have lost Bob. You still with us? Yes, I okay. am. All right, okay. broke up just a little bit. We want to make sure you're there. Okay, so Bob, Louis Oosthuizen is just a personal favorite of mine. Ever since what he did at Augusta years and years ago, he's just been a guy I've enjoyed watching play. He started out very hot. He shot a 66 in that first round. He's in the second to last group in this tournament. Coming off, he'll be teeing off here what in two three minutes. Yep. Louis's just been a steady player. I felt like most of his career. Does he have an opportunity here in your mind to move up this leaderboard and really be in the mix? Oh yeah, um, you know Louis won the won the Claret Jug at the Open Championship in 2010. Uh, that was his first and only major championship win. But he is a great player. He's got a phenomenal swing. He's played extremely well this week, and I expect him to continue to. To be right there and have a chance to win this golf tournament. Is this uh is Pebble made more for these big hitters off the tee, Bob? No, it's not. It's it's made for um, strategic play, getting the ball okay. in the fairway, and then being able to attack the the holes from from the middle of the fairway. If you hit it in the rough, you're in trouble here. Um, you you know you still be able to score, maybe lay up, um, and then you know uh, pitch it up and and make some pars. But if you want to have an opportunity to win, um, you're going to have to hit the ball in the fairway. You're going to have to hit it on the greens, take take a lot of pars, and try to sprinkle a few birdies in. I know you and Brian had a chance to play Pebble. This is what, we, about a month ago at this point? How long ago was yeah, it? Yeah, it was about three and a half weeks ago, yep. Okay, so I know you, they probably didn't have you guys playing on these championship tees, but what was your experience like? Have you played Pebble before this? This was the first time I had ever played the golf course, and it was the funnest thing in the whole wide world. I've been going to Pebble Beach since I was a little kid. I can remember going there with my dad during the, the Bing Crosby, which is now the AT&T, yeah. um, walking around that golf course. I've caddied on that golf course. I've caddied in U.S. Opens on that golf course. And um, and um, it's it's just it's, it's a great, great golf course, uh, one that, 
I love the layout. Um, I, I love the idea that it has really small greens um, and uh, that you've got to play really well to, um, to uh, you know, to, to even score on the golf course. you got, like I said, fairways, um, middle of the greens, and then you, uh, then you, you give yourself a putt to birdie. But the greens slope. They've got a lot of slope in them. But, but the greatest thing is you're right there on the Pacific Ocean and being able to walk that golf course and be right on the ocean and, and the tradition of that golf course, it's unbelievable. So, Bob, this morning on Real Golf Radio, you got to have some great conversations. Uh, you had Adam Scott on. You had Jim Furyk. Looks like Henrik Stenson as well. What have these guys yep. said about the course as they've been out there playing? Oh, they've, they've loved it. Yep. Um, you know, Adam Scott said that uh, he's been here for over a week now. Um, he brought his family with him for the first time, and and they they love the area. Um, you know, Henrik Stenson loves the golf course. He loves the setup. Loves the U.S. Open. Probably not one of his top favorite golf courses. Which <laughs> which when he said that, I went what? I was thinking, <laughs> you know, this isn't this isn't a fantastic golf course. Um, he, he just he, the thing he didn't like about it was. The layout required some blind shots um, and that kind of thing. He didn't necessarily like that too much. And then Jim Furyk is uh, Jim Furyk's a class act. Been a good friend for a while, and um, it was awesome to be able to talk with him and and see him play well. A former U.S. Open winner, and uh, you know, I think uh, Jim Furyk. I think the world of him, and and it's a perfect golf course for him. You mentioned earlier the the scoring on the course right now has not been great. We all know the USGA has wanted to keep their name out of the headlines with regards to the course, the setup, et cetera. They, they just don't like the bad press that they've gotten over the last couple of years. Is this course just capable of doing what it does itself? Because, of, like you mentioned, the small greens, it's a, it's a very technical course, what it requires. Is it, the USGA doesn't necessarily have to worry too much about this in my mind, or am I wrong in that assessment? No, that's true. That's exactly right. Um, we talked to John Bodenhammer, who's the setup guy for the USGA. We talked with him, you know, three or four weeks ago when we were there uh, for the media preview day. And, and basically what they were going to do is kind of reset up the golf course the same way they set it up in 2010 when Graham McDowell won at, uh, at, at Even Par. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they've had a great weather. Um, they haven't had a lot of wind. Um, it's been cool. It's been overcast. And so the golf course hasn't dried out. If the golf course dries out, then you see stuff like you see, you saw with, uh, with Tom Kite when he won, where the greens were really spotchy looking and kind of ugly looking and that kind of thing. The greens are perfect. They're green. Um, uh, they're slick. Um, if you hit a good putt, you're going to have a chance to make it. Um, <clears throat> it's just in really good shape right now. What they, what, what I, I foresee is um, today and tomorrow, the golf course is just going to get a little bit firmer, which is going to make it just a little bit tougher with the sides of the greens, and uh, and that's what's going to that's what's going to hold the course. All right, Bob. Last thing for me, it is a two part question, so I'm breaking the rules. I'm not supposed to ask double questions on the radio, but um, how close does someone need to be to be able to make a run tomorrow? And um, who do you think may be the one who is able to do that? We may have just. Lost oh, we him. did. I just. He hung up on me because of the double question. 
You want to try getting him yeah, back try, on real quick? Try getting back on. I, I, Dang I, it! I heard that click, and I'm like, oh, that's never. I a heard good it too, sound. but I was going to pretend like I didn't yeah, hear it. No, it's okay. We'll we'll get him back on that's for actually, one question. It's actually a great question. I Thank had, you. I, I want to ask it for. Him. I had one more. I also wanted to ask, but I like that question because that's, that's very intriguing to you. You look at it, and you're like, hmm. Because I, Bob, how close do you need to be, and yeah. who's going to do it? Well, I also, and mine almost plays off of yours a little bit. Okay. I, wanna, I just wanted to kind of ask, like, because Woodland's out there. Woodland's two strokes clear right now yeah. of uh, Justin. Justin Rose, who's mm-hmm. there. I'm, I'm wanting to ask him. Are these guys going to come back? Like, are they going to be? Are they going to be dragged back towards the field? And we'll see if it. Do that, where does this rank with you? This this course? Yeah, this championship. Oh, oh okay. I uh, love real the quick, US Open. Bob. Thanks for joining us. Real quick, I just wanted to ask you. Um, it's kind of a two-part question. Who can okay. get who can get within range of striking distance with the way the course is playing? And how close do you think someone would have to be going into that final day to kind of catch up and catch these leaders? Yeah, you know, watching today's play and stuff like that, I think guys that, uh, that are within probably four or five shots of the lead, um, okay. maybe six are going to have a chance to, to get back into it. Uh, you know, Dustin Johnson shot two under par, and he's two under for the day through like seven or eight holes. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's right back in the mix. He's tied for sixth right now. Um, and yet, uh, you know, y- you'll see Justin Rose come out, and you'll see Ustazen, and you'll see uh, Woodland and that kind of thing. You never know what those guys are going to do. But the guys that got out early today um, probably had a little bit better um with the moisture that was that was around this morning and that kind of thing, and you know they they have a chance to move up that leaderboard. So, I you know I think Dustin Johnson, I think Brooks Kepka, um, you know I think that the the world class golfers, the guys that have won major championships, um, and and have felt that pressure and that kind of thing, those are the kind of guys that I think you're going to see um, work into um, contending and then have a chance to win uh, tomorrow afternoon. Well, hey, Bob, we really appreciate you joining us on a Saturday, taking a little extra time to jump on with us, and I uh, hope you enjoy the the rest of the tournament and your time out there at Pebble. You got it. Thanks. There you go. Thanks. That's uh, Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio. Make sure you check it out um, on Twitter. Follow them. You can check out all their interviews yeah. if you missed it this morning. It's always great to hear from some of these guys. And Bob and Brian do it better. They do it better than anyone. Well, they've been around for 20 years. Right. They've been doing this, and they know what they're doing, and they have connections that people can only dream of in that world. Yep. So. It's awesome to hear from him. And this tournament, it, it U.S. Open period, Adrian. It's pr- my favorite major after Augusta. Oh man, I really like the British Open though too. I've always loved the British Open just because of how insane the weather can right, be. Right, I like I like them all for different reasons. I but, like I like the Masters because they have that course memorized. Yeah. So there's not really much they can do to change the course. They can yeah. mess with the greens a little bit, but. For the most part, the guys know where they have to hit the ball, mm-hmm. exactly how far, and exactly when. The U.S. Open, yep. I like because they make them squirm a little bit. Yep. Not necessarily squirm, but they make them think, and they got to be creative, and they got to figure out a way when to the, make the course work. And then, of yeah. course, the British is just fun. Yeah, the U.S. Open, when it's at a place like Pebble, it's right up there is one of my favorites because they've gone to some newer places. Uh, Chambers Bay comes to mind. They've gone to some of these new courses that have been built for the U.S. Open. Yeah. Pebble Beach, though, when it's there, it's just it, it feels right. Yes, it does, and I feel like the West Coast should be used more because it, I like it when it's on in my time zone. It is nice, yeah, ish in my time zone. Well, we were watching golf until yeah, they're not teeing off till three forty-five our time, the leaders. Yeah. So you you could technically watch golf tonight until eight nine o'clock. Yep, and uh, I think tomorrow should be a great afternoon into the evening of U.S. Open golf. 
All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to wrap things up here, get you ready for the movie zone with Austin and myself. I've got a question. How much money would you pay for a piece of sports memorabilia? We'll talk about that. That's all coming up here on the Saturday show. Wrapping things up here on Saturday show, Jake finally gets his Sum 41. There's only one song that at one point in my life I've ever had memorized start to finish, and it's that song right there. Do you still have it? No. Oh, okay. I can do a lot of it, but nowhere near what it I used to be. Uh, the whole thing, I could I could do it start to finish to listen to that song. Well, we had a lot of fun listening to Canadian music today. Yeah, we did. It was good. A lot of great music. Good call on your part, Alex. Yes, Alex is very creative and came up with that. I like it. It was awesome. He usually has pretty good music for the show anyway. Yeah, no, he does a great job, period. Um, We're wrapping things up here. Thank you for listening, everyone, who stayed along with us. At some point during the last three hours, Jake and I have a great time doing the show and uh, truly appreciate the opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. And if any of you are out there listening, thank you. We have a great time. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Making way for the movie zone here in Mm -hmm. a second. But, Jake, you had some sports memorabilia news that was coming down the line. Yeah, it's always fascinating to me to see how much money people will pay for pieces of sports memorabilia from their players that they have loved, etc. Well, would you pay over $5.5 million for a jersey of one of the greatest home run hitters of all time? Um, see, this is a difficult question. Okay. Is my wealth unending? Well, let's just say you have, you're a multimillionaire. Okay. If I was a billionaire, maybe. Okay. So Babe Ruth, a New York Yankees jersey from the period of 1928 to 1930, which is around the time of the uh, the Murderer's Row, mm-hmm. has sold for a record $5.64 million at auction. It's a lot of money for a Babe Ruth jersey. It broke the record of $4.4 million for a 1920 Ruth jersey, according to Hunt Auctions, who was... Uh, auctioning off more than 400 pieces of Ruth, Ruth memorabilia at an auction that was supplied by his late Hall of Fa- the late Hall of Famer's family and a few other collectors. That's a that's a massive chunk of change that for is. a jersey that another man wore. I'm not a jersey guy. Me neither. I just it's not my thing. But if I had, yeah, what you what we term unending wealth. I'd probably get more into sports memorabilia. I'm just not sure I'd be able to part with over $5.5 million for one jersey. Right. I, I can't really imagine doing that, but I, if I had a ton of money and I didn't know what to do with it, I might spend it on frivolous things like a Babe sure. Ruth jersey. Sure. Like, I already have my plane, probably. I already have my yacht. I've already got my <laughs> island off the coast of Sicily that yeah, I bought for got a, a million and a half bucks. You've and got I as built many a mansion cars on. as you need. Right. Yeah. I've got my Bugatti for one day and my <laughs> Rolls Royce for the other. Like at that point, I'm probably um, buying a Babe Ruth jersey the, or my favorite athlete's jersey. So the most like rich uh, of person I've ever heard of that I've known personally. Wow. Jake like, knows rich people. No, that would... it's it's a guy that I I only know I only know a family member of his. Mm. He lived in Mexico City. He was a business magnate down there. In Mexico City, apparently, your license plate has a certain marking on it. You can drive it a certain number of days of the week. This guy had enough money that he had a car that qualified for every day of the week. That's a thing, apparently. Hmm. And this guy had I remember he had to have two, three, four cars, but he had one for every day of the week. So he just like all right. We're taking this car today because it's Tuesday. That you go. I was imp- when I heard that. I'm like, wow! I'll never, 
get to that level. No, that's just me. <laughs> no, but you, if you get to be a business magnet someday, Jake, take me out in one of your many cars. I w- we will do it. Yeah. I was just I was fascinated. This guy had cars for every day of the week, essentially, to be able to drive every day. I bet they were nice too. Oh, I. If you're have the money to buy multiple yeah, cars for that, yeah, absolutely. So Babe Ruth jersey still selling. That's what I learned today. Yeah. Didn't know that they were still out there to be sold, but. Someone, needs, someone also made $5.56 million over the weekend. The so family pretty, of Babe Ruth, it appears. Yes, exactly. All right, that's going to do it for us. Um, stay tuned. Coming up on the other side, it's the Movie Zone. Austin and I are talking Samuel L. Jackson movies Sweet. and uh, your favorite ones, so stay tuned for that. A lot of great answers. Hit us up on Twitter, and you can be a part of the show as well. And uh, for Alex behind the glass, great job today, Alex. Appreciate you coming in. Jake Hatch, uh, catch Jake on Monday morning mm-hmm. as part of DJ and PK, and I'll be with you from 10 to noon uh, with Tony and Austin. And that's, uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Saturday show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.